0: It's time for Michigan's newest sports talk show, Mitten Madness. And here he goes, defense win championship. Michigan sports talk from here in Battle Creek. The latest stories, the biggest games all across the Mitten State. Not
1: something to play with.
0: Streaming live and on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app. Here are your hosts, Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes. Good morning and welcome into a special
1: episode of Mitten Madness. I am Dejan Hughes and unfortunately I'm doing today's episode by myself. Jacob Harrison, who normally sits across from me, is feeling a little bit under the weather right now. So he can't get to us this weekend. He will for sure be back next week. So we'll be right back at the banter. But for this week, we get to be homers. We're going to have a great time this weekend. Just me and you talking for an hour. No replay later because of the football game that will be on later today. We will not have to worry about that. The Lions playing primetime football at 8.15, but of course... We'll get into that in just one moment. I'm doing fantastic. I'll update you guys like I always do. My Packers lost. I won in fantasy. I'm first seed looking. My first fantasy championship, I'm trying to do it. I think I can do it, and and I'm feeling good. I get to coach some lacrosse again. I I mean, actually, as you're listening to this right now, I am coaching. I always forget that, you know, we record on Fridays, and you guys are listening to it on Saturday. I am coaching at the very moment, and I'm probably – probably the happiest individual on the planet. So I'm feeling good and we're going to keep vibing because Michigan is the number one team in the country and we'll be playing for a chance at the national championship in just over two weeks. I am loving it. But of course we'll touch on the lions, the college football playoff, Michigan state Pistons, red wings, big 10 basketball and picks. I was able to talk with Jacob today and grab his picks for the games. So He'll still be here and have an opportunity to, of course, go lower in the ranks because we all know he's not catching me anytime soon. But <clears throat> now that the introduction is over, please forgive me. You know, there's whatever's going around. I don't have, but I do so much talking. Obviously, I'm over on uh, BXX, which is 104.9 in Battle Creek, doing my thing every single day, 10 to 3. But I'm also a coach, so I'm always yelling at kids while they're out on the floor or out on the court, out on the field. And also, I'm an announcer. I do play-by-play. I do uh, for Battle Creek Game of the Week, which was in the fall. But I also do the same thing for my old high school, Lori Norks, during their basketball season and for their soccer and and volleyball as well. So I'm all over the place with speaking, and I do some public address announcing as well. So my voice, my throat is just tired. I'm not sick, but we're going to get through this. We are talking about none other than the Detroit Lions first today. And by we, I mean me because I'm the only one here, but I only know how to say we when I'm in here. I don't know. It's weird but just lock in with me. All right. Detroit Lions. I mean, first off as a Packers fan, as you guys all know, I absolutely love everything that the Detroit lions are doing this year. You guys deserve this so much. The fans have always deserved a season like this. They fought hard. You guys have stayed loyal. You've watched your team go through turmoil year in and year out. And this year you guys are making it happen. You guys are looking good, even though you've dropped a few, but I mean, the end of the year, it's its going to be a tough sledding, right? I'm not even going to try and sugarcoat this whatsoever. When you look at the rest of the schedule, you've got Denver, you've got Minnesota twice, and you have Dallas, right? And, and, and in just a moment here, I'm going to pull up the standings as well which will give you a picture of what the possible playoffs could look like, not only for the NFC North, but just for the NFL in general. So right now it's by division. The NFC North, Lions are 9-4, and four, Vikings 7-6, and six, Green Bay 6-7. and seven. So basically you have to win these next two games, at least NFC North games against the Vikings, which you have the Cowboys game squeezed in between there, which is going to be a rough, hard-fought game that I don't know that you guys have enough for it. And that's just me being honest. The Cowboys are looking like the best team in the NFL. The Cowboys are looking like they have an opportunity to play for the Super Bowl. And that makes me just, oh, I don't even want to believe that the Cowboys are that good. But look at how they're playing football. They're playing phenomenally. And they're 10 and 3, looking like an absolute freight train. Like there's nothing that can stop them. And I mean, this week they got the Bills who have been struggling. But maybe the Bills can knock them off that horse. But I don't feel comfortable about that so as of right now cowboys are somebody you seriously got to worry about but what can help is playing a vikings team that is struggling with backup quarterbacks and trying to figure out who's going to play and winning both those games there that cowboys game is sandwiched in between forget about it okay forget about it worry about it that week but then just know you got to win the two games that bookend it i mean beating denver this week would be a great start it would really help but what is the plan there Right. Denver does not have a great run defense. So I would hope that, you know, they push Jameer Gibbs and they push David Montgomery. They do the handoffs and and jet sweeps with Khalif Raymond and uh, Josh Reynolds, Jamison Williams. Those are the kind of plays they should be looking to start the game off with get the vibe going, get the energy, find a cohesiveness, <clears throat> excuse me, and a game plan that will get you into the red zone. And then that's when you rely on an Amon Ross St. Brown, a a Sam Laporta, right? Uh, though, that Those are the opportunities that you go to them and you fire that ball and boom, touchdown, boom, touchdown, right? Or even you just want to grind the running backs and, and hand it off to them. That's fine, but you have to figure out how to get in the end zone, and one thing you can't do is turn it over. I mean, I haven't even touched on the Bears game. I'm going to do that right now, actually. The Bears have been the Lions' biggest Achilles heel this year. The biggest. Like, it's it's actually unreal what the Bears do to the Lions. Kansas City, Bear, Lions win by one. F- phenomenal game. Loved every part of it. Great way to open up the season. A lot of promise. Week two, lose to the Seahawks by six in overtime. Hey, you just gave up a touchdown on the first drive. It's tough, but the defense has got to do better and bounce back. And they did that. You go out and you decimate a Atlanta team that's not good and beat them 20 to six like you should and then the the very next week not even not even four days later you play sunday turned around and played again on thursday and smacked the packers all around 34 to 20 made it look like it was Easy. And then you went down and took care of a very struggling Carolina team, 42-24. Fantastic. You're 4-1 and one at this point. Feeling great. A lot of people thought Tampa Bay was going to be able to give you something and that you were going to be able to go back and forth and, and, and maybe they were going to beat you. No. Baker Mayfield ain't nothing. That's what you told them. 20-6. to six. And then you walked in and played Baltimore. And they showed you what a real trench war is like. And you lost 38-6. to six. And that really seemed to be the reset that you guys needed because then you turned around and gave Vegas. To work. 26 14, as you should. You're six and two. Los Angeles, 41 38. I don't know how you gave up 38 points to the Chargers, even with Josh Hurt Justin Herbert. Maybe we need to talk about the defense, but I, I want to get through these games first and maybe I'll circle back because the D's got some serious problems if you're giving up 28 point 38 points. Sorry, 38 points to a guy that is barely scored He scored six points against the New England Patriots. Six. They kicked two field goals, not a touchdown. And you let that guy score 38. Come on. I I I I want to believe in the line. Lions so bad, but when things like that happen, it makes me question. And then the Chicago game came around for the first time. The first time. How many times did they turn over the Lions in that game, you ask? Four. Four times. They turned the Lions over four times, and somehow the Lions were able to come back and get out of that. Win at 31-26. Phenomenal game. I watched it. Great comeback. I couldn't believe it, but you know I loved it because Chicago sucks. With everything in me, the Chicago Bears can just go crawl in a hole because I've always hated them and always will. But you guys shouldn't have even been in that predicament in the first place there's no reason you should have been almost losing to the chicago bears conference rival or not divisional rival or not that shouldn't happen to you the bears are not good enough for that the packers are smacking the bears around but somehow you guys aren't and you beat the packers by two touchdowns made it look real easy right and then the struggles came back because then you lost the very next week to that struggling packers team by seven granted It was, I don't even know what happened. Honestly, I watched that game and couldn't believe what was happening in front of my eyes. And I almost cried because that was Thanksgiving. And somehow you lost on Thanksgiving in Ford Field again when you were supposed to be the favorite. I don't understand what is going on. And then you squeeze out a win against New Orleans somehow. And then you just got decimated by Chicago. I mean, absolutely railroaded. 28-13, turning the ball over another three times. So 7 Total turnovers in two games from the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. You can't turn the ball over like that if you want to make it to the NFL, you know, supreme game, the Super Bowl. You're not going to do that, turn it over that much against a team like that. So you got to cap the turnovers. Saturday night should be great for you if you get the run game going. That's the biggest thing, and you have to win both of those games against Minnesota. That locks you in as the NFC North champion. That's what you want. It's a good chance you host that playoff game. That's also what you want. You have a good chance of winning a playoff game if you host it. So go ahead, win the games you need to win, and you will probably have that be the case. If you can still win against Denver, that is phenomenal for you, but if you can't, That's also okay. You just need to win Minnesota and Minnesota. And if you pull off the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, I might just buy a Lions jersey. I might. I I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, but that might be the great idea. So I want to see great things from the Lions this weekend. Get the run game going. But defense, it's time to talk about you. You guys have not been great. The defense has struggled a lot. I mean, teams are going up top on you left and right like it's nothing. You can't stop anything in the air. Leading tacklers, 96 with Anzalone. That's fantastic, honestly. He's able to rack that up, but, like, we're, we're not doing great in terms of what's going on. I wish I could see. I'm trying to find all of the stats here, but they're not really giving them to me the way I want them, and I wanted to see kind of, like, how the team is giving up. Ah, here we are. I found them. You're giving up 24 points a game. That's much better than what you were doing last year, so I will not complain too much about that. You're already giving up 37 touchdowns to your 42. I mean, you're giving up a lot of yards, almost 3,000 in the air, Two. 26 a game. Rushing attempts. You're giving up a 96... So basically 100. 342 yards of total offense per game is what you're giving up. You gotta tighten that up if you want to go to the NFL championship. You want to play in the Super Bowl, you gotta play a lot better than that. Especially on the outsides. You gotta tighten it up. And then the rush. You just gotta get there faster. They're playing pretty decent on the outside, but when you're not getting there in two seconds, three seconds, those guys are gonna get beat. Defense has to step up all around and make it happen and meet the offense in the middle so that the Detroit Lions can be good. But that's all I have on the Lions. When we come back from the break, I'll be talking college football playoff and Michigan State football. There are new developments all over the place. It's Mid-Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Welcome back to Mid-Madness. I am rocking solo today. Jacob is out six. So we're going to hop right into the CFP Right after we talk about Michigan State, Michigan State has a bunch going on when it comes to football right now. They got their coach, John Smith, coming over from Oregon State. He's going to do his best to bring in a new recruiting class, bring in transfers, set a new culture, and get back to the winning ways of Michigan State. I'm sure he's happy to don a new color that isn't Orange, black, and white. He did a great job over in Oregon State and bringing the Beavers back to who they were at one point in time. And now they're a winning football team again. They're going bowling again. And maybe he just wants to do the same thing for Michigan State. Of course, he has to avoid their everlasting curse of allegations. Like, it, it seems like no matter what goes on, there is some kind of allegation at some point in Michigan state, whether it's with another team or just the school in general, it's never a good look for the coaches trying to bring in players. So maybe he has something to deter them from worrying about that part, or it just doesn't happen. And he's able to be a fantastic guy that has nothing to worry about and is able to bring phenomenal players into Michigan state and make them a good football team. I mean, it's good for the big 10. It's good for Michigan. It strengthens their resume. If we want to be honest, like, As much as we like Michigan State not being so good and we get to beat them and, you know, hold those in-state rights, it's not as good as beating a good Michigan State team still having those in-state rights and then using them as a resume builder to say, hey, well, we beat a ranked Michigan State along with a ranked Penn State and a ranked Ohio State. Oh, yeah, a ranked Oregon and Washington and maybe even a ranked USC ranked Iowa. There's so many teams in the Big Ten that can now be ranked with it expanding. We want a good Michigan State, and John Smith is a start to that. I think he will do a phenomenal job with them, especially after the newest news for Michigan State. They already have a transfer signed. They already have a transfer signed. But before I talk about that transfer that's coming in, I'll talk about one of them going out. Noah Kim, who started half the year for the Spartans this year, he was okay at times and not so great at others. So he decided to transfer after his job got took. And he ended up at coastal Carolina. I mean, I think that's a phenomenal idea for him. He gets to go somewhere where he's going to shine. He should win the starting job there. Their colors are cool. It's in South Carolina. So you got the coast and the beach and the beautiful scenery. I think that is perfect for Noah Kim, but it's a questionable decision for coastal Carolina, in my opinion. What is coastal Carolina seeing from Noah Kim that wants them to come, that wants him to come there and play ball? I mean, He was okay at certain times, but at most times he did not look good. And Michigan State didn't start to look good again on offense until they changed quarterbacks. So Coastal Carolina, who is normally a good football team, is now in, uh, I just don't even know how to say it, like just in a weird space now where they may not be as good as they have been because of the decision they just made at quarterback, bringing in Noah Kim. But enough about him. He's gone. He's not in East Lansing anymore. There's a new guy in town. East Lansing has to be happy to hear the name Aiden Childs. Aiden Childs has decided to transfer to Michigan State University. He will be in East Lansing following his coach, John Smith, over from Oregon State. Aiden Childs was a phenomenal quarterback in high school. Didn't get a chance to play too much at Oregon State because they brought over uh, DJ Ugalangaleh. And I think I said that right. Jacob's probably going to listen and tell me whether I said that right or not. So we'll talk about that next week. But seriously, DJ came over from Maryland. And I mean, it's almost impossible for, you know, for them to say no to him. You know what I'm saying? Like he was 1000% going to play there and he did. So And that's part of the reason why they were good this year. Nothing to Aiden Childs, no slight whatsoever. He's going to be a good ball player. And I think he's going to do phenomenal things for Michigan State. He's going to reopen their offense to the point to where they're going to be able to run the ball again. To like, not just their running back. Their quarterback is going to be mobile. And he will open up that portion of the game and really stretch things out and I'm telling you, the guy has a cannon. He can and will throw the ball. So Michigan State's going to be an interesting team on offense depending on what happens in the rest of the transfer portal and, of course, recruiting class that's coming out of high school. And it's probably going to take a year or two, maybe three, for him to really figure things out in East Lansing. So we might see a few recruiting classes and transfer portals and such that will help this Michigan State team before they get back to where a lot of us are expecting them to be. But if you are a Spartan fan, if you live in East Lansing, you're an alum, or whatever the case may be, and you like that football team up there, you have some exciting things coming to you within the next couple of months. But let's switch over to the important stuff, the CFP. And believe it or not, I have an article here from ESPN Plus, exclusive content, predicting the scores of every game, including the national championship. And we are not going to like this. going to be honest here. We'll start with the most important game, the CFP semifinal at the Rose Bowl, presented by Prudential. They say Alabama's going to win 31-23. They say this, the disparity among the two teams in the postseason is too much to ignore. Alabama's Nick Saban has won seven national titles and boasts a 9-4 record in CFP games. Michigan's Jim Harbaugh, like his college coach Bo Schembechler, has been much better in the Big Ten than on the national stage, going 1-6 in bowls and 0-2 oh and In the CFP, Milrow leads a big fourth quarter as the tide roll on to the national title game. Well, and it doesn't get too much better for us. As they say, coming into the Big Ten, Washington is going to beat Texas. They say they're going to win at 37-33. Texas defensive line is capable of controlling the game, but Washington doesn't put a huge emphasis on between the tackles rushing. It's hard to go against Penix Jr. and DeBoer, who simply don't lose, Big games. They're 9-0 against AP Top 25 opponents while at Washington. So the national championship game would be Alabama versus Washington. And they say... Alabama wins by two. Of course they do. The national title game pits the best big-game coach of his generation in Saban against possibly the nation's best big-game coach of the future in DeBoer. Two very different quarterbacks also match up in Washington's Penix Jr., who throws left-handed lasers from the pocket, and Alabama's Milro, who thrives on deep passes and mobility. Washington has the edge at wide receiver, while Alabama's defense, led by Dallas Turner and Teron Arnold, Looks a bit sturdier on the big stage. Ultimately, Saban gets the edge here and wins arguably his most improbable national title as Miller leads a late touchdown drive to take the down to take down the Huskies in an epic title game. Not gonna happen. All right, I'm gonna just dispel that right now. We all know that's not gonna happen. What's gonna happen is Michigan is going to come in and play good football. They're re- they're ready for this. They've been ready for this. They want this to happen. So you know what's gonna happen. Michigan is gonna walk in. They're going to play tough. They're big. They're fast. They're strong. They're athletic. They're smart. They have a good quarterback. They have a good coach. This one's going to be even. And they're going to walk in and say, We are even with these guys and we are going to go hard. They're going to get it and we're going to come out on top. I'm Michigan edging out Alabama somewhere by three to seven points. That's what I believe. That's me. Because I believe in the Michigan Wolverines. They got it this year. This is one of the years where it's like it's got to be this year or it's going to be a while before we can try again. And I really believe that. And not because I don't know that they're going to be good next year, but because we're in a very prime spot where a lot of teams around us are not as good as they normally are. So let's take advantage of that and win it this year. I like my money on Michigan. I like them to win the national title game. I don't care who it's against. I would like Washington because I think that would be a phenomenal game. And I think it'll be looking forward to what we'll see in the Big Ten for the next couple of years. But I don't want to see Alabama-Texas. I'll tell you that right now. I don't want to see Alabama-Texas. Nobody in the world wants to see Alabama-Texas but Alabama. I'm just going to be honest here. Because then it validates everything that just happened over the last couple of weeks. And I really don't want to get into that conversation. So Michigan is just going to do what they have to do and make every thing work by winning the game. And I think that's exactly what's gonna happen. Looking at the New Year six, Goodyear Cotton Bowl, Missouri, Ohio State. They say Ohio State wins by six even though devin brown making his first start for the buckeyes spurs a strong fourth quarter and ohio state slows cody schrader and the tigers in the second half Ole miss penn state penn state's gonna win 30 to 24 late interception seals the win for coach james franklin's crew and then of course georgia florida state who do they give it to they say georgia's gonna win 28 17 the bulldogs step in the run game and at the line of scrimmage makes the difference as georgia forces two third quarter turnovers to pull away a bit. Liberty in Oregon. They say Oregon's going to take care of Liberty 43-28. Expect big games from Oregon's Tez Johnson, Jordan James, and Jeffrey Bassa, who generates pressure on Liberty's quarterback, Kaden Salter. There it is, man. That's that's what they're saying about the New year 6. That's what they're saying about who's going to win those games. They're saying Michigan's going to go down. I don't believe it whatsoever. It's going to have to happen in front of my eyes, but I do not see Michigan losing that game. There's so much on that game for Michigan. They still have to prove that they're good, that they're worthy. So many people say they don't deserve it because of these weird allegations that have been going on with the cheating that everybody is doing all around the country i think a lot of people are just mad that michigan did it better than them and they can't figure it out that well but hey isn't that all part of the game i think it is i think it is so i think michigan is just going to continue to ignore it continue to stay focused continue to strive for greatness. They're going to walk into the Rose Bowl with their heads held high, feeling confident, ready to ball out. I think Blake Corum's going to score a couple touchdowns. Maybe Roman Wilson gets himself one, but J.J. McCarthy is going to be an absolute star on the field, an absolute star, so that Michigan can continue and move on and beat the allegations that they're not big enough for the SEC, that they're not good enough to beat other teams, that they'll never win a national championship, that they're not good anymore, they shouldn't be a blue blood all these things are people are things people say about Michigan and it's time that Michigan dispels those things i believe that they will this is the year to do it i have a lot a lot a lot of confidence and i may just be talking but that is okay because michigan is going to look great That's what we got coming in college football. We'll talk more about bowl games next week after we see how these first couple of ones go. Not too many good matchups to keep on the dock, so I didn't say too much about them. When we come back from the break, we'll be talking Pistons, Red Wings, and Big Ten basketball. Don't go anywhere. It's Mid-Madness on 95.3 WBCK.
0: Detroit sports fans, Wolverines, and Spartans alike, this is your sports show. Mitten Madness with Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes on 95.3 WBCK.
1: on Mid-Madness. And by we, I mean me, because I'm here solo today. Jacob is out sick. We got done with the Lions, got done with Michigan State and the CFP. It is time to talk Pistons, Red Wings, Big Ten basketball. And I guess we'll start with the easiest one of them all, the Detroit Pistons. What a disgrace. What a disappointment. It is not looking good for them whatsoever. So many rumors are swirling around now. People think Jay Nivey are is going to be traded people think kalamazoo native isaiah livers shouldn't be on the team anymore they think Kade cunningham is a flop the pistons are on a 21 game losing streak wingstop has offered to give out a free five piece when the red wings win again like they're in serious trouble and when you look at their schedule the amount of l's in a row is nauseating they haven't won a game Since a 118-102 victory against the Chicago Bulls way back October 28th, where Levine went for 51, but it wasn't enough. Ever since then, they have lost every single game that has come their way. 124-112, 110-101, 125-116. None of these games are really close. 108-100, 126-120. They even lost to the Washington Wizards, 126-107. They were at the time, the worst team in the league, but now it's the Pistons by far. I don't know what is going on over there, but it does not look good. And I'll be honest with you and what I think is the problem. I think it's a guy that I thought was doing very well in his previous space. Monty Williams, coach of the Detroit Pistons, formerly with the Phoenix Suns, took them to multiple NBA championship appearances. He's not putting the right five guys out on the floor. Okay, what people don't understand as a... NBA coach, your job isn't like it is for a high school or college coach where you're there managing the game, you know, helping guys, calling out plays, pointing things out. That's not really the job in the NBA. You have assistant coaches that do that. You have player development coaches that do that. The head coach is there for basically two very simple reasons. The first one is to yell and argue with referees because – That's what they're there for is to fight for those calls and point out things that referees might not be able to see. Give them a little lip, but because players can't do it or they get kicked out, they get penalized for it. Coaches can withstand it. They have a little bit more leeway. So that's, you know, job number one. He should be doing that, which I don't think he's doing enough of that either because he hasn't even come close to getting kicked out of a game. And like, I'm sorry, but if you're not. Pushing the referee, not in his ear, not getting the, all right, coach, that's enough. You're, aren't, you're not doing it. You're not doing your job enough. And that's what it looks like Monty Williams is doing. It looks like he's settling for subpar. And I don't really like that. And he's benching guys that I don't think need to be benched. There's no reason for Jay Nivey to not be in the game. But, hey, I'm not coaching there. The other piece is putting the right five on the floor. He does not always have the right five people on the floor to be successful. You have to see how people play and match them up with other people who complement them so that you have five people working together and to, to create points, to, to play well on defense, to work with each other, rebound, and get on the floor for the 50-50s. All of that is a cohesive unit of five people, and he's not putting the right five out on the floor. And that's why we see the Pistons in a very tough position of having 21 straight losses. I hope that they're able to turn it around soon and not just because I want a free five piece from Wingstop, but because I want to see the Pistons do well. This core can go on and do great things. They're young and have potential, but they need the help from the coaching side of things in terms of putting the right guys out on the floor at the right times. But that's enough about the Pistons because they need to win before they get that much airtime with us. We'll talk touch in with the Detroit Red Wings, they're a little bit back and forth. They're kind of streaky. Honestly, when you look at it, they started 2-0, then they lost 3, 1-1, lost 1, 1-1, lost 2, 1-1, lost 2, 1-3, lost 1, 1-3, lost 3, 1-1, lost 1. Their most recent game was a loss to the Carolina Hurricanes, 2-1, and but Detroit is still 4th in the Atlantic Division at 15, 10, and 4. They have 34 points. They're only 2 behind set- Second and third, who are tied at 36, and then only six behind Boston, who's sitting at the top. But when you look at the standings, Tampa Bay is creeping up. They have 33 points. Montreal's got 28. So if they want to continue to ride and continue to get into, you know, playoff standings, they have to continue to score goals the way they have been. Granted, a 2-1 loss isn't good, but a 6-4 win, you scored three in a loss. You scored one. You scored five in a loss. And then you one five three five four five one four one five two four zero. They're putting up good scores. They're putting up pucks. They're getting them in the back of the net. They're getting them in front. They're crashing. They're setting screens. They're forechecking. They're backchecking. They're doing everything that they have to do to be a good team. And I like it. Before I forget to touch on this disgusting things we saw in the game where Dylan Larkin was hurt but I love the way this team stood up for not only just him because he's the captain, but I feel like they would do that for anyone on the team. It was immediate. They made sure that Dylan was okay, but at the same time, they're like, look, dude, not okay. That's our captain. We got to let you know what's going on. That's the kind of things I like to see from teams is you have, it's a unit. It's a brotherhood. It is is a family. You have to take care of each other and that is one way to do it. But the Wings got to continue to find the winning board. They're doing okay right now, but 34 points is solid for where they are. They got to keep progressing a game against the Flyers tonight at 7 p.m. That's a good one. If they can win that, I think they can start to find some new momentum, but I expect big things coming out of them pretty soon. And something we haven't talked a lot about, but something we should be talking about. Big 10 basketball. It's looked phenomenal. Purdue. I mean, they look great all over the country. They lost to Northwestern, though. Michigan State, they've had some struggles, but Wisconsin came out and showed them what's up. Rutgers pulling in two of the top two pulling two of the top three recruits within the last couple weeks in the nation for the upcoming class. That's huge. Michigan five and five, looking good, has some pretty decent wins. They're taking on eastern Michigan at two thirty. That's going to be a good game, but I think Michigan has more than enough to pull that out. Doug McDaniel has been fantastic. Oliver uh Nakua has been uh, has, Nakama has been awesome. Um Terrence Terrace Reed has been great down low. I don't know what woke up Terrence Williams, but he's he's pretty back, right? This team has potential. Shutter is a shooter, and he shows it. Week in and week out, I like the things that I'm seeing from this team. They play with energy, and Doug McDaniel is just like every other small point guard we've had at Michigan, ready to take the game over, knows what he needs to do to be in control of the game, controls the pace very well, and when Michigan needs a bucket, he goes and gets one. Michigan's going to be exciting to see, but the big game of the weekend is Michigan State-Baylor. Michigan State-Baylor, if Michigan State wants to you know, prove that they're still a good team, Prove that they're going to be all right. Prove that the Big Ten is going to have to look out for them. This is a game to do that in. The season leader for the Bears, Mr. Walter, 14.9 points a game on 42% shooting, 88 from the line. Walker's leading the Spartans, 20 points a game, 47% from the field, 60 from the free throw line. But Baylor's putting up 91 points a game while only giving up 67. And they're grabbing 40 boards while dishing out 16 assists with five blocks and seven steals. They're on a nine-game win streak as well as are 9-0. and They haven't lost. This is more than an uphill battle for the Spartans, but they have the potential to get it done, and this is a good game for them to get things back on the road and and be a successful team because we all know after that, the holiday tournaments, which are coming up, Big Ten play really gets rolling. And if you're not ready, you will get steamrolled. I don't think that's going to happen to Michigan State, but it definitely is a possibility. Michigan and Michigan State have to be ready. They got some warm-up games before things get popping again. But Big Ten is going to be rough. And if you're not ready to play, no matter who you are, you're going to run into some trouble. But that's all we got for this segment. Coming back We're going to be doing the picks even though Jacob's not here. I was able to talk to him and get his picks. So I'll dive into the games a little bit, throw out our picks, let you know where the standings are, and then we'll get you out of here for the weekend so you can enjoy some Lions football tonight. We'll be back after the break on 95.3 WBCK.
0: 95.3 WBCK.
1: And we're back here with Mitten Madness. It's time for the most exciting part of the show. It's time for our pick segment, and it may not be as exciting as it normally is because as you can hear, we means me. I'm back by myself. Jacob is out sick this week, but I was able to conversate with him for just long enough to grab picks for the games this week. So nothing will change. Well, I will not say nothing. Not too many things will change because we're still going to get our six games in and he's still going to lose some. And I'm going to continue to take the lead on my way to a beautiful paid lunch or dinner by Jacob Harrison himself. So before we get into that, as always, I have to update you on the standings and what's going on around town. Last week, Jacob got out with a win. He did pretty good last week. He went six and two. I was right behind him at 5-3. and three. couple questionable games I picked. But hey, when you got a comfortable lead like I do, you can choose to do those kinds of things. So Jacob is now up to 63-33 and 33 on the year. I'm now 69-27 and 27 on the year. So I'm still holding on to a comfortable six-game lead. So it's not like anything's really going to happen to me. I'm okay. Jacob has way too much catching up to do and just not enough time. And with him not being here, I could just change his picks. But why would I do that? There's no reason for me to do that. I just I, I just like to throw that out there. Wouldn't dare do that, Jacob. Don't worry. Your picks are safe with me. You can double check if you want to. But I promise you that they're the ones you pick. So I'm going to get into this first game that we've got coming up. A lot of NFL this week. Tons of NFL. So I won't even start with NFL. I'm going to start with the college basketball. Excuse me. We were just talking about the Big Ten, so I guess I'll start there. The leader in the Big Ten right now, Purdue. Reigning Player of the Year. Reigning Wooden Award nominee, Zach Eddy. Averaging 24.8 points per game on 63% shooting. 75.9% from the free throw line is going to take on Arizona as Caleb Love is averaging 14.1 points per game at 41.5% shooting, 80% from the free throw line. They're giving Purdue a 57.2% chance to win in the matchup predictor on ESPN. The analytics like what Purdue has. When you look across, Arizona's averaging 94 points while only giving up 63 Purdue's giving up, or averaging 85.6 while only giving up 69. Arizona's grabbing 46 boards compared to Purdue's 42. Arizona's assisting 21.6 compared to uh, Purdue's 18. They're both averaging about four and a half blocks. But Arizona's got nine and a half steals on an eight-game win streak. They're eight and eight 8-0. Purdue's nine and one. Purdue's beat a couple ranked teams already. So is Arizona. Normally... I- I would probably have this game, so I sent it over to Jacob first. I'm going to let you guys know Jacob picked Purdue. He likes what Purdue has, most likely with Zach Eddy. He's probably going to point out the same thing I pointed out, that most teams don't have a Zach Eddy. But what Jacob doesn't know is that Arizona has four seven-footers on their team and plenty of six-foot-plus guys who can guard, who can play ball. They all like to defend. They all like to rebound. They share the ball around well. That's why their leading scorer only averaged 14 because they're a complete basketball team that's ready to play. They're the number one team in the country for a reason, and they're 8-0 for a reason. Give me the Arizona Wildcats first split game of the year or of the week. Excuse me, talking a little too fast, but that's okay. We're getting into the other college basketball game that we have on the docket for this weekend. And I don't think I can believe it, but this game is so early in the year and I'm ready for it because it's going to be a good one. North Carolina and Kentucky are taking each other on 530 on CBS. Davis leading the Tar Heels with 21 points a game, 44% shooting, 95.3% from the free throw line. Reeves leading the Wildcats with 18 points, 51.3% from the field, 79.2%. From the free throw line, UNC averaging 85, giving up 73. Kentucky averaging 90, giving up 72. Kentucky's on a win game or, or a uh, one-game one win streak. UNC's on a one-game loss streak. But when you look at some of the games, right, UNC lost to Villanova by two in overtime. That's always a good loss. Villanova can play ball. They lost to fourth-ranked Connecticut, who's defending national champions, by just nine. That's also a really good loss. Then they beat Tennessee, beat Florida State, beat Arkansas in their last five. You look at the last five for Kentucky, they went to overtime against St. Joe's. They beat Marshall, beat Miami, beat Penn, but then lost to UNCW. UNC Wilmington went into, or yeah, UNC Wilmington went into Kentucky and lost while at home. Kentucky lost to UNC Wilmington at home. That's a tough loss. I don't think they come back from that. I have UNC winning this one. Jacob likes what Kentucky has, so he's going to take Kentucky, and he thinks they have enough to get everything over their blue blood rival, North Carolina. Both seven and two. North Carolina's nine seed in the country. Kentucky's the fourteenth team in the country. That's going to be a good game. But you see who we have. That's it on the hardwood. We're done with the college game for the weekend. We're over into the pros, onto the gridiron, talking about football. First game that I'm going to talk about, Vikings, Bengals, backup quarterbacks all over the place. They're not starting Joshua Dobbs this weekend, which is bananas to hear. Justin Jefferson is supposedly supposed to play, so he's supposed to be healthy. We know we're not getting Joe Burrow, but we should be getting Jake Browning. So that should be a beautiful matchup between the backup quarterbacks. But me and Jacob are in complete unison with this game. And I think it has a lot to do with the backup scenarios that are going on with Joshua Dobbs and what they have over there. Joshua Dobbs is supposed to be the emergency quarterback. For the Vikings this weekend. Give me just a second as I'm going to pull up their roster and get their depth chart so we can see who actually is going to be starting at quarterback is going to be Nick Mullins. Jaron Hall is going to be the backup and Joshua Dobbs will be the third string emergency quarterback, which is wild to hear considering they traded for him and then started him right away and he won some games and now he's not playing so well and they're like, yeah, see ya, buddy. So yeah, Nick Mullins will get the start, but either way, I'm not feeling it for the Vikings. I got the Bengals taking this one easily, and so does Jacob, just off the simple fact that we trust Jake Browning, who has looked good out of Washington. He played at Washington, a Husky, so he's probably feeling very good about his Huskies being in the college football playoff, and he's playing like it too, because his, he has his Bengals winning games. So. They've won the last two, and I think they have a chance of winning this one as well. Give us both the Bengals. Then the next game on the docket is one that I wish Jacob could be here for us to talk about and deliberate back and forth amongst. It's his Steelers versus the Indianapolis Colts. I think this is part of the reason why he's not going to be here today. I think he wanted to rest up a little bit more so he could be there. He has tickets to this game He's going to be there. I can't wait to get his reaction, see what it was like to be there. How was it taken in the game? And then hopefully the Colts are able to take one out and he just is miserable. But I highly doubt that. Indianapolis Colts playing with Gardner Minshew. The Steelers don't have Kenny Pickett, but they do have. Actually, I don't know. Let's see who's playing for the Steelers at quarterback going to pull up their depth chart it's going to be mitchell that's right mitchell trubisky and then mason rudolph is his backup so with the time being even with mitchell trubisky in the game i like what the steelers have defensively to stop Gardner garner Minshew, and the colts they've done some pretty decent things got themselves to seven and six both these teams are seven and six And if one of them is going to come out of it on top, I like the Steelers because that's just what Mike Tomlin does. And we can't expect Jacob to go against his own team while he's going to be at the game. He's got the Steelers as well. And going to spoil it a little bit, but there's a game that I'm waiting for because there's a little bit of a difference between me and Jacob in that one. Next game on the dock is 425, most likely America's Game of the Week. The Cowboys are traveling to Buffalo, New York to play in Highmark Stadium against the Buffalo Bills. For whatever reason, this game is super close on the predictor. They have a 49.7% chance for the Bills to win, a 49.9% chance for the Cowboys to win, and the remaining is obviously for the tie, but I highly doubt that's going to happen. This game is an interesting one because as much as it's an NFC matchup and doesn't matter too much, for the bills they do need to win if jacob's gonna get that futures bet he put in on the divisional winners and it's not looking too good for him right now with miami continuing to do well in the afc east i believe that is um or the afc north yeah afc east sorry they're in the AFC East. and then you look over at the other side the cowboys are absolutely rolling they're 10 and 3 and after what they just did to the eagles a lot of teams should be scared because the eagles were looking like the best team in football looking like they were going to walk back to the super bowl looking like the path to the super bowl was going through lincoln financial field in philadelphia but as of right now that's not the case the cowboys look good and i think they will roll and so does jacob we think that the bills are just too uh turnover prone and don't have enough to make that one work so they're going to end up losing that game and it's going to be a close one Most likely, but the Cowboys will come out on top. Dak Prescott has looked fantastic. And Tony Pollard picked up right where he left off from last year. And who am I to not talk about, C.D. Lamb or Micah Parsons, right? The list goes on and on. We both got the Cowboys. And the last game of the week is a game that we do not agree on. It is none other than my Green Bay Packers taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Both these teams, 6 and 7, both these teams fighting for an NFC North Wild card spot right now. I believe the Packers are holding on to that last wild card spot by a thread. So this would really help because then they would have the tiebreaker over the Buccaneers and the head to head. And it's an NFC game. So that helps with any conference opponent that they may have a tiebreaker with. And then they want to just beat them because pretty much everybody else in the NFC North has beat them. So if you're going to stay in line with those guys, you got to beat them. So you know who I'm going with. I like Jordan Love and what he's been doing. ESPN agrees with me, 56.4% on the matchup predictor. I like Green Bay to win by 3, 7, 10, something super close. But Jacob's going opposite of me. He's got the Bucks. So we have three split games. We got me taking the Packers. He's got the Bucks. I've got Arizona. He's got Purdue. I've got North Carolina, he's got Kentucky, we both have the Steelers, both have the Bengals, and both have the Cowboys. We'll see what happens in the games this week. Coming up, we've got the Detroit Lions playing tonight at 8.15, so get ready for that one to settle you in. Coach's Corner, as always, Community Matters and all the good things that happen on WBCK. No replay tonight because of the game. So enjoy yourself, and we'll be back next week with more Mitten Madness 95.3 WBCK. Join
0: Jacob Harrison and Dejon Hughes every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. for Mitten Madness on 95.3 WBCK. Miss the show or want to play it back? Stream Mitten Madness live or on demand on the 95.3 WBCK app.